What's going on, everyone? We got an incredible podcast here today with Joe Rebin, founder of Mandala Exchange, as well as spending years as an attorney in the crypto space. So tons of information we're going to learn here today about the regulations that are coming up for crypto. All right, folks, we got a great show today. As always, got to give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at StockWits. Go join millions of investors to talk about stocks, crypto, a whole lot more. It's where I go to get a pulse of the market. Obviously, there's so many distractions on other social media channels, and so it's kind of nice to get away from it all. And Plus, they give us the trending tickers of the week. So thank you so much, Tommy over at StockTwits, giving us QQQ. Obviously, everyone on FinTwit has some exposure to QQQ in the tech. And so absolute wicked destruction here on Friday. Went from 345 to 325. Tesla had some nice earnings number. People seem to like that before coming back to earth here at the end of the week. If you're not following Elon on Twitter, please do, because he's absolutely gunning it right now. He's going after Twitter left and right. It's pretty hilarious. Disney, if you guys have not checked the news at all, the uh, don't say gay conversation is really taking a tumble here for Disney back and forth between Florida and Disney. You know, I, I can't see them picking up Disney and moving it elsewhere, but there's been conversations that they may go there. I know Colorado's looking to bring Disney World to Colorado, but We'll see here. I know they're getting struggles as well, obviously, with their Disney Plus. You saw what happened with Netflix. So a lot of these streaming giants are going head to head. Plug has a new deal with Walmart selling 20 tons of liquid green hydrogen each day. Biotechs with XBI taking a downturn. And in the crypto world, we got Luna X became the sixth largest cryptocurrency sitting at $31 billion in market cap. So quick episode with you this week. I know Tony's traveling back, but I was able to sit in the booth with him live in New York City. So it was great to uh, sit down with Joe. Let's head on over to the interview. Let us know what you guys think. Should be having a lot of fun guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. We got Tony First here for everything, in living color in New York City. So this is... Uh, Joe, this is actually our first time we're here with Joe Rebin here from Mandala Exchange. And, and Joe, you've done a number of different things too. So I, I definitely want to have you introduce yourself to, to all of Pounding the Table. As I know, you've been involved with a number of different projects. You do legal within crypto. And so we'll definitely get into some of the, the legal things that are coming down the pipeline in this world. But right. uh, welcome to Pounding the Table and, and definitely introduce yourself. I know you have a, a lot to share. <laughs> sure. Thanks, guys. A pleasure to be here. Thanks, Avi. Thanks, Tony. Joe Rebin. Uh, pleasure to meet you guys and and be on the show. Uh, yes, CEO of Mandala Exchange. Also worked with a new uh, number of projects globally to structure them both business and tax wise in the crypto world. Since 2015, I uh, had my own firm in Denver since that time frame, 2015, 2016, where we've been working with these projects to make sure they're you know legally compliant as well as structured properly for tax and business purposes uh, later on down the line. So. Uh, how did I get into crypto? Started trading. Uh, 2014, 2015 era, right? Got in pretty early, uh, was thankfully, and really took a more serious role and more serious interest in it besides hodling and trading a little bit here and there when I started my law firm. Um, you know, a lot of projects asked us to do things such as draft contracts, uh, structure their businesses, their ICOs, their STOs, things of that nature, as well as do their privacy policies, opinion letters, um, and, and just a lot of their content in, internally. 
so they could be you know, recognized as legitimate projects, especially back in 2016, 17, and 18 right. during the ICO craze, when there were so many rug pulls and so many projects that kind of went under. You know, the, the need for legitimacy was uh, paramount, really. And so I got into it like that. Actually got into Mandala in the first iteration of the project as the outside counsel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the project was kind of abandoned by the, the founders. And I stepped in with uh, a few people that were working for the first iteration of the project and rebooted it, stepped into the CEO role. And here we are two years later with a partnership with Binance Cloud, as you can see uh, behind me on my screen, and just kind of chugging along quite nicely, building our user base, uh, building our daily volume, building our revenue streams, building our partnerships, most importantly, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about. And just, you know, overall, just trying to bring a good compliant exchange to the cryptoverse where people can feel safe trading. Mm-hmm. So talk, talk to me a little bit about the compliance. And again, coming from, from my world now, working within Prime Trust and being kind of more incorporated with that from my, my day job, you know, I have some background, but kind of walk us through from like a high level. If, if someone has these high in the sky ideas, they want to create a, a crypto app or a crypto exchange, for example, like what are some of the high level things that people should be thinking about? Sure. First off, what week is it? Uh, crypto regulation changes exactly. every week. <laughs> That's the first issue. Outside of that, yeah, uh, a couple of things you should really think about for any project. First off, seek business help if you don't have people that are really good at structuring businesses and forming businesses from the, the even from the normal financial world at the top of your uh, you know ecosystem. And make sure uh, this sounds self-serving, but it's not. Seek good legal help, please, because some of the things you need to start a project competently are legal opinion from a qualified law firm, uh, stress qualified, mm. because a lot of a lot of law firms hold themselves out to be crypto, you know, knowledgeable and and blockchain knowledgeable, and they're really not. So do your research and find lawyers that you 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 um, you get along with that you can see a long-term partnership with and 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 be a client of. And we'll give you a good opinion and a good structural background in terms of the regulatory and compliance uh, world, because it does change every week, Mm -hmm. uh, especially depending on what jurisdiction you're in, right? Uh, There's different compliance laws for the EU, for Asian countries, for the US, uh, for South American countries, African countries. It really, it doesn't matter. Uh, But you need to stay on top of all of that, depending on where you want to work and where you want to function as a project. And then, of course, uh, you know, one of the biggest things when you're looking at regulatory and compliance Make sure that you have people on your staff or even yourself that know what's going on and can and have the time to follow it. That's one of the biggest things I've had to learn is to not be on top of it every day of every week and make sure I have law clerks and other lawyers at my firm that are following it for me. Because, you know, with the 12 to 14 hour days, which really is uh, with the exchange, I don't have time to go and randomly research if, you know, Turkey or, you know, Algeria or just mm-hmm. any country, doesn't matter, changes their regulatory laws and we're operating in that country. I need somebody to stay on top of that for me. So, you know, and that's obviously no slight at those countries. It's, it happens every country every week, like I was saying. So it's just what it is. I think we've come a long way too. I remember when I started trading crypto back in like 2016, 2017, you could do just arbitrage between different mm-hmm. locations, right? So like I could <laughs> buy I forget. I was doing Bitcoin and ETH swap pairs. I would buy it on one exchange, send it to like a Korean exchange, mm-hmm. swap it out for the other coin that's trading at similar value as like, you know, if it was Bitcoin, that was a discrepancy. I would, you know, do it that way or, or ETH, however it was. And you could just swap it around all day long kind of situation. And and the regulations were just like, maybe you had to wait 15 minutes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so it was not really that big. And I know even today they were changing or they were talking about changing NFT tax laws. Mm-hmm. So in the US, so I know that like every day now, 
whether it's like the Fed saying something or, you know, Elizabeth Warren or whoever it is in the <laughs> admin trying to say something, right? <laughs> Coming and they want a central bank, you know, digital reserve currency. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just wondering where do you think it's going to go? Like what's the sure. year for like God. how much control they can really have in a decentralized um, system, right? Because we sure. have a certain network, we have tornado cash. Like what can you really do? And that, that's a, that's a great, that's a great point you bring up. I remember the old days, Bitstamp, Bitflyer, uh, you know, okay. Exchange. I mean, we would just, we would just incessantly trade back and forth. You had Bittrex. I mean, it, old crack. Yeah, I, had, I have like Polonix. Oh my God. I mean, it was like, it would just, you, you're right. You would just ARB and just send it wherever. No KYC, no anything. It didn't matter. I mean, just send and trade. You're right. Repeat what rinse, repeat. Mm. Uh, those days are coming to a close. I, I, I will say that uh, regulators in the EU, in Asia, and the US are agreeing on a number of principles, uh, that being limiting transaction values that are non-KYC, uh, limiting withdrawal limits that are, are, are non-KYC. They've really cut that down. Um, and that's something that you know we expect to change in the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, our exchange does sit at a two BTC, no KYC mandate, uh, kind of like you know, the industry, industry standards, some are tightening up right now. We do well, see let's break some... that down though for our users. Sure. Cause I know what that means. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't even think Avi knows what that means. So sure. I do uh, know so, what that so means. What that means, what that means is, yeah. what that means is you can withdraw daily up to two Bitcoin, the value of two Bitcoin. So basically sitting at about 80 to 82,000 right now, uh, you can withdraw a day and, and, and transact with, without, um, without needing to KYC or know your customer on our exchange. Will those laws and regulations change? Absolutely. Are they starting to go in that direction? Yes. But, uh, you know, we in the crypto industry, it's, it's you know, when you're told to do something, you do it eventually. We haven't received any any word yet from as a anything outside of an advisory. But when it does go into law, yes, we are going to be compliant and, of course, follow that. We're not trying to skirt regulatory law. That would be insane, especially for somebody like myself that's an attorney. I don't want to lose my law license over something like that. Right. <laughs> you well, know. And, and that brings up a good point too. So it's very bullish to me, in my opinion, is like you go from an attorney knowing what is happening and knowing mm-hmm. kind of what could happen down the line here with, for some of these laws, right? And yet you, you're, you know, the CEO and, and you're starting your own exchange here. Right. Uh, where are you guys located? You know, I, I know you're physically located here in the US, but the exchange in terms of who you can offer your service to? Is that global or where is that? Yeah. So that's a great question. And actually it's funny. We are in the U.S. We're a mostly U.S. and Canadian based team, but we have the U.S. actually geofenced out right now due to regulatory concerns. Our exchange is actually housed in the Seychelles, which is an African country. And uh, it does operate globally and it operates. The reason we have partnered with Binance and Binance Cloud to run our exchange is for a number of reasons. The funds are safe. If, If you guys are familiar with Binance's SAFU policy, that basically means your funds are safe on exchange. If a hack happens, the wallets are locked down and any funds that are taken are restored, you know, through, through Binance's reserves, which is a big reason why we partner with them. That, that security and that comfort is great there. We also get all their liquidity and order book depths. So we have almost 1,200 pairs on our exchange, plus pairs that we are listing outside of Binance. And that is the largest uh, number of pairs for any spot exchange in the world, obviously, because we get all those Binance pairs plus our own listings. So that was another huge advantage for us. And we get the liquidity and the order book depth, which is also important, which means if you go to trade, you can always be confident that if it's a pair on Binance or a pair on Mandala, you're going to not be either rug pulled or have no liquidity to trade. It doesn't matter how much you're bringing to the exchange, right? Um, unless you clearly own like 100% of a small token or some crazy number, you're going to have good order book depth with, with minimum minimum slippage. So you're going to have rates that you're looking for. You can lock in your trades. 
at the prices you want, and you can be confident that those prices are going to be there if it's a mm-hmm. reasonable price for a token. So um, actually just brings me to something I just was reading about yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, MevBots are like just for users, like they, they're just, you know, pretty much cracked bots that just do everything in crypto that just trade mm-hmm. art, get swaps, mm-hmm. and get, get the spreads and everything. But basically, so I was reading about how um, people can consistently get what's called sandwiched when they're trying to buy or sell like any type of coin on one of these like decentralized exchanges like uniswap or or whatever it is and so what basically happens is the the bots will front run you buy that coin and then you set your slippage to two percent say like let's say the coin's ten dollars like you're buying you know a ten dollar coin and you set two percent slippage so the bot sandwiches it jacks up gas so you don't get your order they get their gas on that order and right. then they, they, get, they get to execute the order and then instantly they sell it into you for whatever you're buying. And so they do that thousands and thousands of times a day. And so I, I didn't even know that that was really a thing that was happening. And, and you know, just reading, someone wrote a really nice thread on Twitter. Um, so I guess I just wanted to know how does a brokerage like house differ from that, you know, from those decentralized exchanges where those bots, like can people run bots at all in exchanges in any way? Yeah. yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. We actually do partner with multiple, I'm glad you brought that up because we're about to launch, uh, actually tomorrow morning, we're launching a, a big competition with our second or third automated trading community, Good Crypto, that we've partnered with. And we do allow bot trading on our exchange, right? The thing about that is, is with the spot exchange and with an exchange that's so healthy with like our exchange because of the Binance liquidity, there's not going to be a really a slippage, right? There's there's going to be order books that really match up. So you're going to have to really, you know, run a bot that is um, however you preset it, right? Whatever risk tolerance you preset it to, whatever you want to do through the Good Crypto app. And when you come onto the Mandala exchange, you set your preferences, you set your buys and sells, whatever market limit, you know, uh, custom orders, however you want to set it. But you're not going to get the same run and front run too much that you're going to get on DEXs because obviously on a decentralized exchange, if you guys don't know how it works, just explain it for the audience. There are peer-to-peer transactions that are really anonymous. There's no KYC or AML uh, requirements for them. That is going to change just so everybody knows that trades on decentralized exchanges, the uh, SEC, CFTC, and other regulatory bodies in the EU and Asia are going after them right now. So be ready for that in the next six to 12 months. There will be different regulatory. The best, man. You, you can just yeah. have so much fun. Like I've, I've been in there. And for now. Bitcoins and just I'm like. Not, yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, yeah. and, you know, obviously I, I don't know the details. I'm, I'm too far removed, but you're probably closer and can't yep. talk to all of the details, of course. Yeah. But. <laughs> you know, from a high level, you know, and it's funny because we talk to people up from Wall Street and so forth. And, and and the reality is they're just trying to figure out a way. Ultimately, the government is, is trying to figure out a way to tighten it. And, and sure. slowly but surely, like things like uh, I think it's Moreno is, is a, Monero, 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 sorry, yeah. Monero. And there's like pirate exactly. coin and things like that. Right. And, and like so th- those kind of things, like I could literally scam somebody take the cash, send it through tornado, send it through secret or whatever, and then put it in another wallet. It just shows up randomly. You can't, the transactions like burned as it happens. So it doesn't exist Mm -hmm. anymore. And so like, that's why I was wondering, just, I I always hear like, oh, crypto regulation is coming. But then when you really think about like how blockchains work and how like those protocols on the blockchain work, I I find it hard that I don't think that they're ever going to be able, unless they just completely shut those things down. Right. Mm. And, and then, but then if they do, right, like I could make another one, like the Silk Road, like I could still order drugs online if I wanted to. So, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, th- that's the thing. And just, just to get back to the, the bot trading real quick, and then I'll definitely go into that point. Um, you know, bot trading exists, like on, like I was saying, on DEXs and centralized exchanges or SEXs, CEX. 
Um, but it's it's more, I guess, regulated on a centralized exchange because of the fact that there is no anonymous transactions. Everything's unmutable on blockchain. And there's not going to be that front running and that slippage. I mean, there, there is going to be to a point because there are bots that do ARB, like you were saying, arbitrage across exchanges, and they do include decentralized exchanges in there. But if you're primarily trading on a centralized exchange, the bot is really just more automating your trades. So you don't have to stay up 24-7 in a, in a market that never sleeps and will trade for you when it hits price levels that you you know preset it for. That's, that's mm-hmm. the bigger picture for bots on a centralized exchange. Now, getting back to your point about, um, you know, Will the governments always be a step behind in, in regulating crypto, in putting legislation in place and regulations in place that are sensible? Yes, no. Legislation, no. There are a number of, of bills that are either in front of Congress or have been passed, like Biden's executive order, the Loomis bill, and there's a bunch of state legislature that that is being drafted in the US. And a bunch of us are working on in conjunction with you know, reg- legislative bodies that is sensible, where it's going to help the consumer help businesses innovate in the U.S. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a tough um, tough balancing act, right? Mm. I'm, I'm the CEO of an exchange. I want looser regulation because I want to be able to operate in the U.S., but we still can't, which is really frustrating for a U.S.-based team. Mm. However, I want sensible regulation in place for mass adoption. And so people are incentivized to get into the industry because that's going to grow the whole industry and myself and others as, as early adopters or even as running businesses that are larger in the industry, it's important to bring in you know more clientele, bigger client base, a bigger audience. So that's always a balancing act. Now, sensible regulation, what does that mean to me? Uh, not to get too wordy, but it means you know oversight in a reasonable way, not um, you know, not trial by fire where you you impose sanctions on companies, uh, you know, post-mortem or you you sue companies or fine companies into the ground like the SEC is doing. I don't think that's appropriate in any way, shape or form. I want a regulatory framework that's easy to follow. And, um, you know, companies can follow a blueprint to register, to, um, you know, to get licenses if appropriate and to operate. And that has not been shown to be done on any by any regulatory body in the U.S. so far, and I think that's even within the government. You're seeing people like Tom Emmer, uh, Jared, Jared Polis, and others. Um, you know, just fight for the the common person and the common business because they don't understand the value of tech in the U.S. Um, now, is there a lot of overreach uh, globally right now? No, and that's the interesting part. A lot of U.S. businesses are going overseas and establishing corporations in tax-friendly and tech-friendly jurisdictions so they can operate freely and get away from the, um, you know, kind of the overreach of U.S. regulatory bodies right now. Uh, I do think cases like the Ripple case are going to kind of flip the script a little bit uh, if they go as planned. And uh, Can you you give a, 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 sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, you're fine. Ripple, like, you know, I feel like everyone kind of hears that there's, something going on with the SEC sure. with Ripple. Can you just give the, the TLDR version? Sure. Uh, uh, TLDR, basically two years ago, I think it was September or, or November uh, 2020, really, when the case picked up in earnest, basically deemed by the SEC to not to have um, been an unregistered securities offering, the TLDR version, and sued as such, right? They tried to find them. They, they started a big, a big court case. Brad Garlinghouse and the crew over there at, at Ripple at XRP Labs, as as a, and multiple entities are fighting back in court, and as they should, uh, because there is a lot of doubt as to whether they were an unregistered securities offering, 
And as the case has developed, it's interesting, myself and most attorneys, honestly, in 2020, except for a uh, uh, very few, as well as the Ripple kind of you know, clan, thought that Ripple was a clear cut case of, of being a security. The more evidence that has been released, the more this case has evolved, the more my view has turned to, well, I don't think XRP is a security anymore. Hmm. Uh, at the way it was distributed, the way it was released, and at least there's a reasonable doubt as to it, right? Um, so I do think that at some point what's going to happen, there will be a settlement where both sides can claim a victory. The SEC is going to get a large payment mm-hmm. uh, as a settlement because Ripple can afford it. Obviously, they're a multi-billion dollar company. And XRP will be deemed uh, either no fault, which is not admitting to being a security mm-hmm. or not being a security, and will be able to continue on their way as a you know bank uh, transaction settlement system and a very prominent one, let's be honest. Uh, they're threatening such institutions as SWIFT and uh, you know other set in stone really institutions around the world as a bank settlement payment uh, token. So I think the TLDR on that is it's going to change the crypto space and the crypto sphere. Uh, you know, it's going to really shape it in the US, whatever that that case settles out, however that shakes out. And I think it's going to be ultimately very favorable uh, for for crypto companies. So. <laughs> I mean that that's my I view. Flooded Ripple. Well, you can't really buy it. Yeah. I did. Trust me. I, I you know it's funny. I, I, flooded, I flooded Ripple for years, for years. <laughs> At the same time, I've always held a bag because. Yeah. Well, <laughs> your own bag. Man, I was. I, 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 I share this story. I can't. I can't make this up. I'm. You know, this is summer yeah. 2017. Mm-hmm. Just got back from Portugal. I just heard uh, Nate Ginsburg. Shout out to my buddy who taught me about Bitcoin. And I was. I was laughing. I was like, "What is Bitcoin? What is all this?" You know. <laughs> but I was like, my friend's smart. You know, he's doing very well. Let me. I'm a degenerate gambler. Let me. Let me throw some. So I, I, I did, but I was at the uh, a bar that summer when I got back in New York and I was talking about Bitcoin and sure <laughs> enough, someone's going to turn around, right? And, and, and uh, this guy at the bar is like, buy Ripple. And he's mm-hmm. like, you guys are talking about Bitcoin, buy Ripple. And I was like, what's Ripple? He's like, it's four cents. Just trust me on this buy. It was four cents at the time. And it got up to three, what is it? Three bucks, yeah, 320 or something was the high. Yeah, I, I sold some up there. I'm not going to lie. I sold yeah. some up there. You know, and, and and I got fortunate with Litecoin. I remember, uh, Char- I think it was Charlie Lee was the, the Charlie, yeah. like, right? And, and he said he was leaving. I was like, that can't probably be good. Nope. So I ended up selling <laughs> close to the top on Litecoin. That's what I made the most money on. But mm-hmm. so, you know, we're not going to ask you to pick coins or tell, you know, say which ones are and I happening. Won't. I won't. But yeah, no, of course. But, you know, I, I think it's very interesting for our, our audience, right? Because I mm-hmm. think there's two, there's two fields. There's folks like myself that are, that are, I'm 34, Tony's 25, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's, his generation and younger can play with these apps. They can figure out what to do with crypto. But I think what's really interesting coming from, from my world now, uh, working at, you know, infrastructure company for crypto is you see yep. the ubiquitous of like the ubiquity that is about to come from this with mm-hmm. the ease of it, these exchanges, the ease and, and um, you know, everyone's going to start to be using these different apps. But mm-hmm. I guess like, you know, being on your side, how, how do you see a world, you know, can 5,000 exchanges exist, right? Like, uh, or is it going to be the top 20 exists? Like, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? And you um, coming from someone that's, that's, a, that's a great question. And that definitely feeds into kind of, you know, obviously my, my area of the space. Um, I see a lot of room for a ton of exchanges. I mean, think about how many countries there are, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are there, a couple hundred countries in the world? And you, you can think of, a, you can definitely see a scenario where there's four or five exchanges in each country. It, it already happens with the bigger countries more than that, right? There's plenty of room for them. Um, you know, obviously my goal with Mandala, I would love to be another Binance. I'd love to be another KuCoin, but realistically, if we can't get there, I still want to be an exchange that offers globally competitive rates and global and great services to our, our user base and take users from everywhere. Right. And I'd love to be admitted in the U S we've, you know, we've obviously applied uh, for a securities exchange and we've filed a lot of the MTL, which is money transmitter licenses in a bunch of States thus far, we're about halfway through the U S um, but you know, we're, we're the things that we're working on. Cause we want to be able to offer globally, but yeah, there's a lot of room for a lot of different exchanges. I mean, we're going to see millions and millions and millions of people on board over the next couple of years. Right. And potentially probably I would say up to a next five, 10 years, up to a billion people on board onto exchanges. Yeah. Now, I mean, that, that's, that's realistic. Cause you know, you see out there probably one eighth of the world's population transacts in, in currencies or stocks or bonds or, you know, mutual funds or hedge funds, I mean, or, or some kind of investment, I would say probably one out of eight, one out of 10 people definitely invest in something. So crypto where it is and blockchain where it is, I don't, I don't see it as unreasonable. Um, now, do I think there's consolidation at the top of and name brand recognition? Of course there is, you know, we're not crypto.com. We can't go out and buy the Australian football league or buy the Staples center. Staples center. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're not, we're not FTX. We don't have our patch on every major league baseball umpires Jersey, or, you know, by, you know, by sports leagues and sports teams. And that, you know, yeah. we're not at that level. Unfortunately, we can so are on pounding the table, right? And they are <laughs> I am on pounding the table. And I, <laughs> appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I mean, you know, the goal is to make your indent where you can, like we just ran our first larger scale real life campaign all throughout Sydney. Uh, we found a niche in Australia where uh, I've done a few different podcasts and put some articles out and it really did gain some traction, but things like that, you kind of develop your niches and your, and your, you know, countries slash continent, obviously of Australia, where, um, where you, you gain some traction and you do, you know, put your name out there and, and market it and put competitions out there that are fun and accessible mm-hmm. for the, you know, we did a lot of advertising in actually on college campuses and bars where younger you know, the younger generation would be and go because we found out that's the most, um, pro- that's the most um, by by dollar value trading, the biggest trading class, let's put it that way, in uh, Australia. So, you know, you definitely play to your audience. So yeah, as we grow out, that, that definitely is something we look for. But yeah, there's consolidation at the top, but it doesn't mean these mid-level uh, exchanges can't survive. There's plenty of people to go around for everybody. And, you know, that's the thing. Every trader is different. They're going to find something they like on an exchange, and it may not be the Binance's or the KuCoin's of the world or the Coinbase's of the world. They might like their custom exchange because it speaks to them for other reasons. So, and it's interesting you say that, right? Because it's it's becoming, and, and uh, you know, there, there's always people that are, are saying that the world is becoming obviously more global, and we've seen that mm-hmm. from a business standpoint. Now, now from a actual fiat currency standpoint like does crypto be bring this world economy together right and so what what would the, what does this mean for not necessarily even just the dollar but like you know these global currencies and and will all these countries adapt their own you know us digital uh you know dollar that they're talking about uh yeah actually absolutely um we see a lot of central bank tokens being discussed central bank coins being discussed uh, you know, CBDC stands for Central Bank Digital Digital Coin. Um, 
I think that's going to be a phenomenon that is implemented worldwide over the next five to 10 years, because let's face it, most of our finance is digital anyway. At these, at this point, obviously, what is it? What is a debit card? You know, what is, uh, you know, what is a credit card? It's all digital, right? Venmo, you, you, you know, Venmo, yes, Cash App. It's money anywhere. It's in two places at once. So, that's, yes, yeah, exactly. And that, and that's the thing that that people, you know, forget about when they say CBDCs won't work. It's just the next iteration of what we already have, really. Now that will be side by side with crypto. I definitely believe because people are not going to suddenly ditch crypto to go to CBDCs, right? It's a different asset, asset class. There's two There's two trillion plus in the crypto industry at any given time, sometimes up to 3 trillion, um, you know, and, and it's just growing, right? Mm-hmm. More countries really, or more countries, more companies release tokens, NFTs, uh, exchanges, platforms every week, really. So it's one of those things that you see not reversing just because a CBDC is released, what they will do is probably integrate those tokens into their ecosystem and use them. So yes, the world is definitely getting smaller in that regard. Um, and I do think that paper money, while, while it won't totally phase out, it will become a lot less used as we move forward, right? Because, you know, let's think about it. What, what do governments want to do? They, they Unfortunately, they want to oversee and control and, you know, kind of have a hold on every transaction. Uh, what is cash? We know cash is a way to, quite honestly, bigger than anything else. And this is a knock against crypto, but it's not really. It's a it's a misplaced argument when people say crypto is a way to evade the law. Well, really, cash is a way to evade the law. Right, exactly. Let's be honest. More it's than the anything. biggest, way more than anything else. It's used for that. You know, in any than any other form of payment in the world. So. Governments, as they want to tighten control, if that's that's an effective way to do it, is to really start getting rid of cash and using a central bank token. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what I see on it. Now, uh, exchanges, of course, with interoperability and all the different um, you know partnerships they make these days, that is also bringing the world together. What we saw four or five years ago in the dawn of really the dawn of crypto exchanges that were big, it was very regionalized, right? I mean, you'd have your Asian exchanges, you'd have your EU exchanges, you'd have your American exchanges. Now we're seeing all these companies. A great example is FTX. You have FTX Global and FTX US. You have, you know, you have Binance US, Binance Global. Mm-hmm. You have all the big, all the big exchanges do both. So there really is a um, coming together of, you know, of regions. And, uh, you know, I think some of the biggest uh, things that were, developments that we're going to see is not just partnerships with decentralized exchanges and centralized exchanges, which is you know something that all of all of us are working on building those partnerships out so that we have a full ecosystem. But you know also with uh, lending products, with yield bearing products, um, with staking products, that's all being integrated onto these exchanges, and we're, we are definitely seeing the the ecosystem world shrink into, you know, because everybody wants the best, latest and greatest technology and mm. shout out to shout out to full stack devs, devs, by the way, and blockchain. Yeah. Devs. Oh my God. It's what they're so, developing so on a daily basis. Right now. I was asking the other day, every, people are always asking, do I know any, any, any crypto devs? And so I'm like, devs. sure do, but they're busy. <laughs> like, they're worth their weight in gold. Yeah. They're worth their weight in gold and the stuff, the innovative coding that they're doing and development that they're doing. Oh my God goodness like i saw an ad on twitter for like uh there's like somebody some big firm i forget which one it was but one of the bigger ones like in crypto we're looking for mm-hmm. a solidity dev it was like 750 mm-hmm. to a mil a year yeah. and i'm like yeah, yeah okay that's about right yeah. well, it's interesting too because I, I you know i see this is this is almost you know i make parallels to like 
the internet 2.0, like, you know, these new companies that are these ICOs, like I, I think maybe me and you had this discussion, but mm-hmm. like the IPOs that we've traditionally known in the stock world, like that's going to happen with these companies, these, and these, NFTs these chains, you know, the, these tokens and coins and these cartoons, like they're being, yeah, the NFTs yeah. that Tony's talking about all these time, it's like insane. these cartoons are going to actually hold the deeds to like, homes. Look, or look you know, state, you know, like, look I, am, I am glad, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't understand that NFT is what they are, our representation. And this is important to realize for NFT projects that are launching as well, because I work in this space a lot as well. NFTs are a representation of real world ownership a lot of times and fractionalization of that ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of industries are using them, whether it's the real estate industry, which I'm actually advising for a couple of projects that are building out, um, you know, basically fractionalized securities for huge Homes. I mean, we're working on, I mean, homes that are worth 75 to $100 million that are going to be fractionalized. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other discussion we can get into another time with what's basically debt-free equity, because you don't have to sell your home. You don't have to refinance. You don't have to mortgage it. You sell an NFT that represents a fractionalized interest in your home, register it as a security. There you go. You can access equity. Um, So, but, you know, you can sell cars, boats, sports memorabilia, all kinds of crazy, all kinds of whatever you want to sell on block on, on chain, Mm -hmm. and you can tokenize it to, or NFT it to uh, kind of show ownership, immutable ownership on blockchain of that real world asset. And that is where the NFT market's going. So I'm glad you brought that up because that ties nicely into securities laws and into uh, really understanding that you do have to file when you launch an NFT of this nature. You do have to file with a regulatory body. A lot of companies make the mistake up front. They don't file. They don't get legal help. They don't get, you know, business advisory. Sorry, I have a, I have a dog knocking on the door. Now we hear it sounds like you got the Humane Society behind yep, you. Yep, <laughs> it's a 100, 110-pound Doberman. It's okay. <laughs> but, um, but the biggest, I think the biggest thing is, is seek out legal advice from qualified business firms, qualified blockchain firms, because once yeah. you go down the road and you you start you know, offering your token or, or or selling it as an unregistered security, it's tough to unwind. Mm-hmm. It really is tough to unwind. And the, and the longer you let it go in your pre-sale, the longer you let it go in your ICO or STO and not registered and not you know filed properly, the worse trouble you're going to be in. Okay. Right. All it takes is one upset investor or one investigation, and you can totally bankrupt and torpedo your company. So it's, yeah. it's, I'm glad you brought up NFTs, but that's where they're going. Uh, you know, it's not going to be art forever, except for the top, top artists. So, so you brought up a good point. So, and, and I always joke about that is but like it's all on, on a blockchain. The irony is everyone thinks, you know, like what you were saying before is crypto is used to buy drugs, do things illicit. But like the reality is like everything is on some so chain. Right. 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 And, and so ultimately, like where, where does this go? Like where do you think everyone's going to end up in, in orange jumpsuits? Because like. There are a lot of companies running, you know, things yeah. legally and by the book and, and going through the right licensing and things like that. Right. But like, there's certainly a lot of companies that are that are trying to get around the system right now. Is that going to like catch up, do you think, to a lot of these companies? Or do you think the government will say, hey, you have until, you know, two years to become compliant. Otherwise, you will be, you know, thrown in jail. Is that that obviously is a great question. What we've seen globally is the latter. We've seen... Mm-hmm countries put out advisories saying, listen, if you are a registered business in this country, you have 12 months or 24 months or whatever it is to you know, properly register, properly file as a security. If you're deemed, if you, even if you think you're a security and seek legal opinions, right? Something like that. Well, just a kind of a, an overall 
audit, really mm. external audit from qualified auditors, whether they're legal or business or, um, you know, compliance of the company. Now, that comes back to the U.S. Uh, trial by really trial by fire, where they're just kind of throwing enforcement actions and and regulating after the fact. Um, that That's stark contrast to what it's going on in the rest of the world. And I do think the U.S. will eventually kind of um, morph to what's really globally accepted, where companies have a time frame to become compliant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even if they are, you know, there'll be notices sent out and say, listen, you know, you didn't do this right. Um, you know, let's sit down, have a meeting. And if it's, it's found that you're trying to act in good faith, there are companies that are, are scams and then really can't excuse it, right? We all know BitConnect. We all know companies that have done that. We all know rug pulls and Ponzi schemes that have been out there. But for the most part, I do think crypto companies operate with good intentions. I don't think it's a vast majority that try to scam their investors or their token, really not investors, but token holders at the beginning of a project. But, um, you know, in order to, uh, you know, have a, a, an ecosystem that works and have mass adoption, we do need that framework. It all comes back to that. And it all comes back to having a set guideline on where and, and rules on how to properly file, how to properly, you know, follow them step A, B, C, D, E, and then, okay, you can run your company. Right. And that's happened with every other financial system and every other financial asset class. I don't know why it can't happen with crypto. I think, I do think there's a piece of it where regulators and, the government itself doesn't really understand it and is scared that it will take over the pieces of the regular financial system as they know it. Mm-hmm. And that is a legitimate concern because it will. There are people that would rather transact in millions of them that would rather transact in crypto than in dollars or sure. you know, or your euros or the pound. And that's just going to happen. But you know, if you if you put something that's easy to follow or at least understandable in place, that you know, because I'm a lawyer and I've been doing this since 2015, and I have no idea sometimes. Yeah, and that that's absurd. That shouldn't happen for somebody that's been in this industry for seven years. Mm-hmm. So I have companies come to me sometimes and ask me, and I'm like, "Well, I think you should do this, but you know, I don't know." And that right. that should never happen this deep into an asset class. You know, twelve years in, thirteen right. years in, trillion dollar asset class. Yeah, it's 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 so. Yeah, I, I think you know there, there's a stark contrast between the U.S. and most of the rest of the world right now, which is why companies are migrating overseas. And I think the U.S. is starting to notice that. And, um, you know, I think there's going to be a harsh, uh, harsh reality that's dropped on the regulatory bodies in the U.S. and the powers that be, even from from inside Congress, that they're going to be like, hey, we're losing this, this, we're losing jobs, we're losing our our brightest people. We can't losing dollars too, right? If dollars are moving to exchange overseas. Tax dollars, income, revenue for the government, all of it. It's just, it's absurd. Yeah. No, it's interesting. So my, my boss always says, and we can we can kind of wrap it up on this, is like every single company at some point will will be a blockchain company. Like, you know, maybe there's not every single company, but like, would you agree with that statement? Do you do you, do you see, you know, in the next five, 10 years, many companies to some capacity incorporating blockchain into their into their business? Of course, because if we look at blockchain, what it is at its core, it's a distributed ledger system, right? It's a an immutable ledger of transactions or occurrences that mm-hmm. is kept forever, right? With, so the way we always used to keep, I mean, back in the day, a pen and a pad, then I guess a calculator for you know comp- computation, then you know computer storage for, this is the next iteration of this, right. right? Quantum computing, of course, will eventually come. But now the next 10, 20 years, 30 years before that's mainstream, 
yes, companies will definitely be blockchain companies because they need to store that data, whether it's on a cloud or if it's on a blockchain or, you know, no matter where it is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the most successful blockchain company in the world, I'll argue, is Amazon Warehouse Services. Always has been, yeah. right? They're, they're impeccable. They never miss a, a drop. I mean, they're, they're amazing. And, um, you know, they never miss a time frame for delivery. They're, they're incredible. But yeah, I think companies are, are definitely going this way. And, um, you know, we're going to see more tokens popped up because a lot of companies tokenize because they understand it's an, a def, uh, an extra way to raise revenue and, and boost the company valuation. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see a lot of projects turn to blockchain and to this, you know, and to these devs that are already in short supply, uh, you know, to build themselves out into the really the 21st century uh, infrastructure that's moving forward, like the Web3 infrastructure of the world. Mm-hmm. No, John, and, and you joked with us before the show. We could talk all night, and, and I can see why now. Yeah. Like we, we could have literally <laughs> we covered nothing. Yeah, I know. We could literally go for another ten hours, and I and I put I put myself on mute halfway through, and I was like, we should bring them on every month. I'm down. I'm, I'm always be, down. This could be an, an ongoing thing because, <laughs> as you mentioned, crypto laws are changing constantly, and so it could be cool to like bring you on once a month just for sure. a 30 minute update of like what's happening in the space or, you know, yeah. every other month, whatever works for you. Cause I know you're very busy, but no, uh, this has good. been fantastic. You're in, New York. you're in New York. Let's call it a weekend update. No, let's not do that. We're <laughs> <laughs> cheesy enough as is. Uh, um, thank you so much, Joe. A pleasure oh, bringing you on to pound on the table. As I mentioned, this will sh- hopefully be the first of, of many of these, but, uh, Pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank for coming you. On. And uh, just a, li- a little shameless plug here uh, for all the Mandala Army here. We're going to be launching our good crypto automated trading competition, like I said earlier in the show, and the next week, as well as launching SafeMoon next week on our exchange with local tokenomics and a SafeMoon trading competition. So be ready for that. Keep your eye out. And uh, yeah. Please come trade with us. Please come hang out in our Discord, the Mandala EX Discord, as well as Telegram, and we'd love to have you. And follow him. What's the what's the Twitter handle? We gotta give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, at Mandala X EX. M-A-N-D-A-L-A-E-X. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. We'll chat soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.